0: This week's episode, Discipline with the Quins. Parental Unity. Andy, you got an F on this test?
1: Yeah. Well, that means no TV tonight. But the final episode of my show is tonight.
0: Well, since it's the final episode, you can watch it tonight.
1: What?! The Counting Method
0: Lisa, did you make this mess in here? Yeah, I'll pick it up later. No, you'll pick it up now. I don't want to pick it up now. Lisa, I'll give you to the count of three. One, two, two and a half. I'm serious. Two and three-fourths. You'll be in big trouble. Two and seven eighths. And freaking out. Andy, please don't throw the ball in the house. Why not? Because you'll break something. No, I won't. Uh Uh-oh.
1: you liked that freaking out part, didn't you? Yes. How many of you saw yourself in some of those? Okay, just raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, if your neighbor didn't raise their hand, they're lying. (laughs) Well, we are continuing our series called Parenthood this morning, and we're talking about a very unpopular subject, and that is discipline. Thanks, Doug. And... uh, When people hear the word discipline, uh, you know, they they have all kinds of thoughts, usually negative, but uh, it actually is a very positive thing. Turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 will be our our first and main text this morning. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews is in the New Testament. And while you're turning there, uh, those videos of the, the mannequins have been great, haven't they? And uh, I, I'm sure you could see yourself in one of those scenarios there. I really like the, uh, the freaking out one. Or maybe you're, you're somewhat of a counter and you give your kids to the count of three to, uh, to do something. And you end up counting to five or ten or you just walk out of the room. One of those uh, things there. But uh, well, as we talk about discipline, as we look at what the Bible says about discipline... Um, We want to define it. So as you're there in Hebrews chapter 12, um, take a look with me at, uh, we'll be looking at at verses 5 and 6, but uh, in your notes, we've got this definition that we want to work with this morning, and it's this. Discipline is correction driven by love. Correction driven by love. Just write that down uh, in your notes. Discipline is correction driven by love. We see this as God deals with us. And we see this as loving parents deal uh, with their children as well. So let's look now. Take a look in your Bible there. Hebrews 12, if you're there now. Verse 5 and 6 says this. And you have forsaken the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. And here's what that exhortation is. My son, do not despise the chastening, that's a Bible word for discipline, of the Lord. goes on to say, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, or disciplines, and scourges every son whom he receives. And so you you see right there in scripture how God disciplines his children out of love. It's because he loves them. It's loving correction because he wants to see your path straight. He wants to see you not uh, get, get off the path into a life of trouble, into a life of difficulty. And that's done out of love. So this subject of discipline this morning, how important is this? How important is this? Well, it's in uh, the book of Proverbs Chapter 19, verse 18, and it says this. One translation says it this way. Discipline your children while you still have the chance. Indulging them destroys them. Indulging them destroys them. I like how that says that. Parents, understand there is a major battle going on in your household for who is to be in charge. There's a battle that goes on for that. And that is a battle that must be won decisively. And if you find yourself nagging, yelling, threatening, you are losing the battle. And the tide, the tide must turn now. You might say, well, I, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be the disciplinarian. Well, somebody told me this, and jot this down, there's a spot for it in your notes. Discipline isn't something you do to your child, but for your child. Remember, it's correction out of love. It's loving correction. Discipline isn't something you do to your child, but for your child. You might be here this morning, and you're going, Ah, oh, this is perfect because I've got kids and they don't obey me. Or you might be going, You know, I don't, I don't have kids. Well, you, you, you probably will someday. So you can... Hear about discipline a little bit. Or you might be hearing you go, you know, my kids are gone and they're out of the house and all that. But you know what? That might be true of you, but you're still going to be involved in somewhat in your grandchildren's lives. And so uh, discipline isn't something you do to your child but for your child. Listen to what uh, Zig Ziglar says about uh, discipline. He goes on to say, and this is in your notes, A child who has not been disciplined with love by his little world... Will be disciplined without love by the great big world. That's true. Discipline, it's correction driven by love. So, this morning, real quick, we're gonna look at the two different sides of discipline. First, uh, what we shouldn't be, and then next, what we should strive to be. Okay? Uh, let's talk about the first group, and these are in your notes this morning. We're gonna call them undisciplined parents. And for all of us, every single one of us, myself included, you'll see a little bit of yourself here uh, in in these examples. Uh, We all will, okay? The first one, let's take a look at it. It's it's lifeguard parents, and that's number one in your notes. Lifeguard parents is what we're going to call them. If you've read a book on parenting called Love and Logic, they describe it as the helicopter parent or lifeguard parents. And the description here is lifeguard parents often rescue a child from consequences. They often rescue a child from consequences. You know, little Johnny's in trouble. And supermom sweeps in to save the day. Oh, little Johnny. You know? Uh, how do you know if you are a lifeguard parent? Let me just give you an example. Okay, if, if you've delivered little johnny's lunch or jacket to his school three times in the past semester uh... you're a lifeguard parent you know you you sweep in there and remove the consequence of that uh... let me say this why why is it important for us uh... to let our kids face consequences To allow them to face consequences uh... in galatians chapter six verse seven the bible says this about consequences do not be deceived God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. There is sowing in life, and there is reaping in life. It is a principle that is taught all throughout the Word of God, not just with finances, but also with relationships and responsibility. It's part of what you could call God's economy, how things work, sowing and reaping. And as our kids get older and and grow up, there will be consequences, there will be that sowing and that reaping. It always happens that way, and uh, and when we sweep in and we we take care of uh, the consequences and not allow our children to experience consequences, uh, that uh, that that shields them and protects them from learning that there is a sowing and a reaping that there are consequences to every decision that's made. Uh, in other words, in in God's divine plan, He set this up according to His word you can live according to God's Word and experience blessings you can live outside the parameters of God's Word and experience the consequences of that we've got to give our children the gift of facing consequences and bad decisions you mean don't take my kids lunch to school that's cruel isn't it they might miss a meal in America, you, you know what happens when when you don't take the jacket or lunch or the water bottle or you know that happened to me just not too long ago. forgot he forgot the water bottle and I didn't deliver the water bottle. Guess what happened the next day? Someone made sure they had the water bottle, yeah, and the jacket. And there was a little more consciousness now of the responsibility that goes into leaving the house and going to school. Uh, for, here's another example. And I bet this will touch many of you deeply. Science project, you find out it's due the night before, not the day before, but the night before, right? Oh man, I tell you what, that, that just that can drive you crazy. Don't sweep in and do it for them. You know, we, when that happens, they uh, they don't learn the lesson. They don't learn the consequence. You let them go to school without that being done, and they learn, if I don't prepare well, I don't succeed as well. You let them learn that lesson instead of jumping in and, you know, putting them to bed and then going down in the basement or whatever and putting the planets together and then having them haul it in the next day. You ever been a part of something like that? Yeah, that's, that's not good. Don't save them from uh, consequences. Here's a wild idea. Now, what I'm about to say is highly controversial. Uh, we have security standing by just in case someone rushes the stage at me. This is a wild idea. Your 16 year old wants to drive. I wanted a car. You know, when I turned 16, I, want, I wanted to, to have a car, to own a car. Thankfully, my parents said, Get a job. Right? Get a job. Get $1,000. Oh, I heard one applause on that. <laughs> Told you it's highly controversial. You know? I drive by the high school and look at the nicer cars in the student lot than I'm, I'm driving. And I'm like, wow! It's highly controversial. Get $1,000. Get a little car that'll get you from point A to point B to c- continue to save for another car. You know, buy that with cash. You know, child of mine, you get a ticket... You will pay for that ticket, amen. amen? amen. Right, <laughs> and also here is your insurance bill. You know, you just take care of that now. Right, we tried it our way, didn't work. Now it's your way. Right? there, there are consequences. We're not going to bail you out. You know, we saw how that worked with the government, right? Government bailouts. Uh, don't bail them out your kid gets in trouble in detention in school they have to you find out they have to go to detention stay an hour later whatever they need to experience the consequences amen teachers uh, they, they need that for our kids uh, Stacy and I's kids we give them an allowance or a commission and uh, we have one child that likes to, to spend that as soon as it hits their pocket you know quick and, uh, and we have another child that will kind of save that up and, you know, do something big with that, and the one that likes to spend it pretty quick, um, they have learned, because of this consequence thing, they have learned that um, I can't come back after I've spent my money. I cannot come back and ask for more. Just like in real life, you have a job and you spend your money on whatever that might be, and... It's not payday yet. You don't go to your boss and go, hey, you know, I blew it on iTunes and some other toys, and, and can I get a little more? No, no, you know, that's real life, and we want our kids to experience real life. Lifeguard parents sweep in to rescue kids from consequences. Um, you know, use common sense in that, please. Uh, let's deal with another type of undisciplined parent. And that I call the etch a sketch parents. The etch a sketch parents and these are parents who are often inconsistent often inconsistent you remember what an etch-a-sketch you got one right here the classic etch-a-sketch you to one right here and you know you're able to turn one knob and, and draw a vertical line and you're able to turn the other knob and get a horizontal line and put that line somewhere make some lines on there and then you know you're able to shake it up like that right Remember what happens with that, and then you get a blank slate, right? Uh, the The line is gone, and now you can do it over here. You've moved the line on on your drawing or whatever you're doing. It's never very good at this. I could not make a circle or Mona Lisa, so total (laughs) failure. (laughs) So you you remember that that etch etch a sketch there? You know they use these for computers in Arkansas, and. um, Whoa, it's my first laptop. Um, you know, so you, you understand how that, that works. Well, you know, a lot of us have some rules in our households or lines that we've set up in our households. And the next day, if you're an Etch-A-Sketch parent, that line or rule has moved. You know? You've, re- you've moved that line. You've, you've changed that up. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's the etch-a-sketch parent there. Lines can move. Rules can change. And the kids are saying, Where, where's that line? Where's the boundaries there? You know, what about boundaries? And we're inconsistent. It's in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15 says this, The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Then down in verse 17, two verses later, it says, Correct your son, and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give you delight. He will give delight to your soul. Well, wouldn't you like that as a parent? And Notice what the scriptures don't say. Discipline today, not tomorrow. Move the line. Shake it up. Erase the line. You know, why are lines always moving? We can be inconsistent as parents. And, and that's a negative thing when it comes to uh, discipline and raising our kids. I can get inconsistent. You know, I, I can get tired and come home from work. You know you guys relate with this, and you want to kind of have your downtime and get the remote and sit down or whatever, and a kid comes in and you know that there's a rule in your house that you can't do this or that a kid comes in and asks to do it and you're so tired what do you do just do it go ahead play with the dynamite in the backyard okay okay you use the use the lighter not the matches matches are unsafe take it out in the back all right don't tell your mother you're tired and, and we can get inconsistent, and lines move, and I do that as a parent, and I'm sure you've caught yourself in that as well, and, and been inconsistent there. So I, I've got this Etch-A-Sketch, and I, I want to give this out in, uh, in this service. So I tell you, I'm, I'm just going to set it right here, and uh, I just had to pick a side, I'm not playing favorites or anything. So first kid that wants to come down here and grab that uh, Etch-A-Sketch, or kid's mom, go ahead and... That Etch-a-Sketch is for somebody this morning, okay? Do we got to take her on that Etch-a-Sketch right there? Bruce, you going to get that or what? All right, young man there. Give him a big hand. All right. Be a reminder forever in your house. (laughs) Etch-a-Sketch parenting, right? Well, you know, I can get inconsistent. We uh, we can all see ourselves in that. And uh, at times, we're all lifeguard parents. Or Etch-A-Sketch parents. And now let's deal with another type real quick. And, and this is the split decision parent. The split decision parent. And this, this type of parent is often ununified with the other parent. Often ununified. They disagree. Okay? In Amos chapter 3, verse 3 in the Bible, it says this. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. They cannot. Uh, And one of the most important things, uh, parents, is to have a unified stance in front of the children. You know? Let's talk the real world for just a second. Uh, Maybe you're divorced and you have the kids sometime and your, your ex has the kids at a different time. Um, the, the kids, I know, can tend to play parents against parents. And, oh, mom, you're really cool. And dad, uh, mom lets us do that. You don't let us do anything. And I'm telling mom, he doesn't let us do anything. And uh, they can play parents against one another. I know that's a, that's a very real thing. And, and if that's you and you're in that situation where you've got your kids part of the time and then uh, your ex has them a, a different part of the time, please, for the sake of your children... Even if you don't like your ex, uh, get together, have a meeting, establish some boundaries, do everything that you can do to have a unified stance on issues and topics and discipline. Uh, Blended families, they're very complicated as well. I remember the first time someone came to me in a church many years ago and they said, "Do do you have any books or topics or what can you tell us to help us with being a blended family and discipline? I was like, oh... Wow, yeah, that is a, that's a tough one there. Because you've got, well, the, these are my kids that I've brought into the marriage, and those aren't, and those are your kids, and, and my kids aren't your kids. And you've got all of that dynamic going on. And first of all, I would beg to differ with all of that, because when you get married, even if you have a blended family now that you've brought children in from another marriage, the Bible talks about how you are now one flesh. There's no yours and mine. As God sees it. It's ours. The kids are ours. You need to be unified around that. You have a responsibility to, to stay unified in front of your children. You can disagree behind closed doors, that's great, but not in front of them. If they sense any weakness, they will take you out. All <laughs> right? Yeah, you, you know from experience, right? In our house... If there has uh, something has been taken away uh, for discipline's sake or someone's been grounded from a toy or uh, an electronic device or something like that and I'm not sure when that period of time is over or I'm not sure if it's this object or this object someone's grounded. for, If I'm unclear about that and Stacy is gone or I have forgotten I will call or text and find out so that we're giving unified answers to the children, right? Uh, because if you don't, uh, that, that's, that's bad. It's when it all falls apart. We've got to be unified in those things. Um, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. And we've looked at some of our own faults, right? And, uh, parenting that we want to avoid, but we could probably all see ourselves in. Now let's look at some things that we should expect from our children some things we should expect from ourselves even and uh, this is what i want to strive to be these are positives that will help you and there's three of them i'm gonna call them parental expectations the first one is this we expect first time and cheerful obedience and you're going well that is a pipe dream (laughs) but i tell you what it is a bar you can set and a standard you can strive for. First time and cheerful obedience. Philippians chapter 2 verse, or, or I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 3 verse 20 uh, is the verse I, I, wanna, I want you to see here. It says, children, obey your parents in some things. No, it doesn't say that, does it? Obey your children, or obey your parents in, in all things. <laughs> Doug covered that one a couple weeks ago, right? On how uh, we obey our children sometimes. And that's a negative, isn't it? But to, for uh, uh, children to obey your parents in all things. It goes on and say, says, For this is well pleasing to the Lord. I Man, that, that's a great verse right there. Uh, you know, well pleasing to the Lord. And don't we want our marriages and our families and our relationships with our kids to be well pleasing to the Lord? We do. Um, in the video that was funny the counting Okay, pick up your stuff one two, two and a half, right we, we we all do that at times we or have done that uh, and just as God expects from us first-time and cheerful obedience we should expect it from our kids as well uh, there's a little song we sang and I'm not gonna sing to you this morning praise the Lord Um, that we we sang in our house, especially when our kids were a lot younger. You can make up your own tune to it, but it went it it was called How Do We Obey? And it was we we sang it, How Do We Obey, How Do We Obey? We obey right away. That's how we obey. And we our kids know that. They'll take that to the grave, you know. (laughs) We sang that so much. Uh, Not so much anymore, but uh, they all know that. And that was kind of a motto in our household. And you look at that and go, that is a pipe dream. How is that going to happen? That's one of the things you can do. Something silly like that that puts into their mind that, you know, when I'm asked to do something, I obey right away. You know, there can be dangerous situations that, you know, your kid's out by the street or in a parking lot or wherever. and, And you want to be able to say something to them and they obey right away without question. And that can you know mean them being safe or ignoring you and you know getting hit by a car or something like that we want first-time obedience Uh, cheerful obedience right we want cheerful obedience as well and by the way you could jot this down in your notes delayed obedience is disobedience delayed obedience is disobedience If you have to nag and yell and count to 300 and that's delayed obedience, it's really disobedience. By the way, that should be cheerful. Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 says this about cheerfulness. Uh, Do all things without complaining and disputing or arguing. Do all things without complaining. You know, that is a great verse, Philippians 2.14, to just take home, put up on your fridge. That's a family memory verse right there, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, man, that would change a lot in our house. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Uh, Here's something we do, and this is in your notes as well at at our home. We discipline more for attitude than actions. We discipline for attitude, not always the action. Well, how do you do that? How does that look? Well, Well, think about it this way. If you ask your kid to do something like take out the trash and they take out the trash and while doing that, stomp around the house slamming doors and throwing trash cans, you know what? We're disciplined for the bad attitude. I don't give a rip that the trash got taken out. I want a good attitude as the trash gets taken out. So we're disciplined for that attitude. Even if the action was okay. Let me put a positive spin on this one that is a little negative. Um, At at this point here that could be a little negative. Here's a positive spin on it. We have in our house, we have one jar, and then we have a jar that was built out of Legos. And each of the kids has a jar. And we have, and you can use anything you want, beans, pennies, whatever. Uh, We have chips, like poker chips. And um, when our kids do something, when we see them doing something positive, like without being asked or thank you for that or taking care of that chore without being reminded, um, they get a chip. And we have a color system to it. You know, blue stands for 10 minutes, red is 30 minutes, and so on and so forth. We have a color system to it. And then they can cash those chips in for time on electronics. Hey, it's the weekend. You know, during the week we're doing homework. You know, it's like right till bedtime. Don't you love that? And then, uh, and then, and then uh, yeah, uh, but on the weekend comes, and we don't just live on electronic equipment. You can cash those chips in for your time, okay? Or, say you're not into electronics like that, you can cash those chips in for shopping, renting a movie, so on and so forth. You can be creative and figure out some things that your kids could cash in their, their or, <coughs> or their, their whatever type of item you want to use in their jar. That's, that's fine as well. Um, but that, that's a great positive thing. We s- see some, something positive going on and blank, there's, there's a chip for you. We'd like that. And they, that behavior then is, oh, that's a, man, I do that more, and I'm rewarded for that. That's a great thing. Um, so the discipline like that as well. It, it reward the positive things. But, uh, but definitely discipline for attitude in that as well. Because sometimes they'll obey, but that attitude stinks, doesn't it? And uh, that's not okay in our house. So discipline as much for attitude as for actions. And when we have found when the attitude is, is right, generally the action follows. Uh, so we expect first time and cheerful obedience. Does that always happen? No. Uh, but is it something we strive for? Yes, absolutely. Let's look at another thing we expect. And this is in your notes. Number two, we agree to never discipline in anger. We agree to never discipline in anger. And it's pretty much me that would discipline in anger. So sometimes I do not get to discipline because I'm angry, right? <laughs> and some of you are going, oh, that's me too. You know it. You're, you've been there. And then there's way too much of this that, that goes on. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. It says this. Be angry. It's on the screen here. And, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Okay? We're upset. It's okay to be Angry, the Bible says. Uh, We're upset, but we can't take that anger out in a vengeful or improper way, you know? Can't take that out in a wrong way. My anger flares up oftentimes in the car, right? You're driving in the car. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. You're facing one direction in the car, trying to watch what's going on and all of that. And in the back of the car, you've got... She's touching me. Um... (laughs) They've crossed the invisible line, you know, all of those things going on and uh, you can't do a whole lot about that. Uh, I have this picture of what one mom has done to uh, exact some discipline while driving in the car. I wanted to show you this picture here. Pretty good idea. Um, I like the 99 on the speed limit behind it. I, yeah, those, you know, those speed limit signs tell you how fast you are going. I'm always encouraged to try to beat it. So um, I know that's not their purpose. Uh, no, I don't suggest you try this at all. I'm being funny here. Uh, it might be effective, but not biblical at all, all right? <laughs> but uh, I can get angry when that's going on in the car, and I can start driving crazy and you know, going too fast and whipping the car around and the kids are in the backseat, their faces against the glass and, you know, and all of that. And I've got to admit, I confessed to you today, I've, I've done that some to the point where uh, one of our kids has said, um, you need to pull over and give dad a spanking, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I've got angry uh, when that was going on and, and that, that's not right to start acting it out like that. Uh, And that, you know, that brings up a controversial subject. When it comes to discipline, I'm just going to lay it out there. I can feel the negative comments and emails coming into my inbox right now. I can feel them. I can feel they're coming in right now as I I sense it. Uh, At our house, we spank. Um, And I can say spanked because we're getting out of that phase. I know that is a politically incorrect stance. I know that. Uh, Until the day that I die, I will stand by the fact that it is a biblically correct form of discipline. Uh, And I I hope you'll understand. Oh, yeah, there. There we go. Some of y'all are clapping because you got tuned up by the woodshed when you were growing up, right? Yeah. You know it. So, uh... Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about there and it's no problem with you. And, and I hope you'll understand, uh, you know, we, we, we don't use our hands. Uh, we have a, a, a wooden spoon. I'm sure that you know, it's fairly popular with many of you. Or, or, uh, <laughs> or we've got some fans of the wooden spoon and some others of the belt. Um, But, uh, you know, we do that not in front of siblings where that's an embarrassment. Afterwards, we always hug. We love them. We talk about why. But I mentioned that. I know that's not very PC, but it is very biblically correct. Uh, And there's some verses for you in your notes as as well that you can take home and look at there. Uh, Growing up, uh, you know, that's how life was in our household growing up. we all My siblings and myself, we are... We love each other and our parents to this day. Uh, we got tuned up out by the shed often. Uh, I am old enough to remember, and some of you will aim in this that you could get paddled in school, not Christian school, just public school. And I think, like the wood shop made the principal a paddle and put some ventilation holes in it to get some good old swing behind it. And uh, that thing was hanging on a lanyard in, in his office there. And uh, we were just flat out in public school. I remember that you could get a spanking, maybe from a teacher, maybe from the principal. And I remember the day our fourth grade teacher put uh, taped to kid's mouth shut in class because he wasn't talking. <laughs> I know, different times. You know, you think there was any recourse to that? Yeah, the kid's parents got a phone call and that kid got chewed out, you know. Uh, but that, that it was a different time and that, that's how it happened then. But uh, if you choose to in your house, and I know many of you do, a never, ever in anger. Never in anger. Okay? Well, how? How do, how do you do that? Take some time. Sometimes us adults need a time out. Take some time. Calm down. Pray about it. Talk about it with your spouse. Don't flip out like the mannequin in the video and go nuclear. And if you strike out and hit your child, you need to repent before God. You need to repent to your children and you need to get some help with that. Uh, if you don't, one day you'll answer before God and you'll wish you'd never harmed one of his little ones. Never, ever discipline in anger. Amen? Okay, I think that's understood. So first off, we expect first time and cheerful obedience. We also agree never to discipline in anger. And our third one this morning is we'll discipline promptly with instruction. I, I alluded to this a little earlier. With instruction and reconciliation. Or reconciling and making it right. Instruction and reconciliation. Ephesians 6.4 says this. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Training. Admonition. Got a couple of words there for you to to write into your notes. Admonition means instruction. Let's talk about instruction. Uh, When there's discipline that goes on in our house, we talk about what did you do wrong after that discipline or at the time of that discipline. What did you do wrong? Our goal in our house is to bring them to a point where they admit that they have sinned and understand that what they did was wrong. I'll tell you this, it doesn't help to discipline and shut them in their room. There needs to be some instruction given. And then uh, understanding that, that they, they get to the point where they understand what they did was wrong. The second question we ask in our house is... How could you have handled it better, the situation? Could you ask for that back instead of just throwing a roundhouse kick at her? You know, could, you know I'm just, silly illustration there. But how, what could you have done to make that whole situation better so we don't get to the point where everyone's bawling? Right? And, and we talk about that as instruction. Uh, this is Training. That uh, whatever happens next time, we talk about that, so when that situation happens again or something similar, and you know, as, as adults, the Bible says, as we are tempted, God always provides a way out. What is the way out? Well, for kids, when we show them what they could have done differently, they begin to think of next time, possibly making the right decision at some point, next time. So don't just discipline, instruct, okay? Give some reasons, teach them through that. The next part of that was reconciliation, next part of that point. You did wrong, okay? You've been disciplined, here's what the punishment is, and now you're forgiven. We hug, we kiss, we pray, we go about our day, never to bring it up again during the day. Really destructive if later in the evening you're at the grocery store and you bring up what you talk what happened that morning and the discipline that happened and threaten like that. But you reconcile and you let it go. So, first off, we, we expect that first time cheerful obedience. We agree to discipline, but not in anger, and we discipline promptly with instruction teach them this is a teachable moment for your kids and reconciliation our first verse in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 and 6 it's remember speaking about God for us as his children as believers he says my son do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Everyone, one. Every one of us. You know, the Bible says a lot more on discipline and our children. We could scratch a little bit of that surface today. Um, but I, I hope you'll realize that a parent that loves their kids will discipline them because they they don't want to see their kid destroyed in the long run by just living to themselves and there's a time to do that isn't there and then there's a time later when your children are grown and they're out of your house and you cannot do that and and so the time that we have to do that really as parents with littler kids is short it's, it's a short amount of time. Um, but, but I believe this happens. As you discipline your kids and you teach them why, and then you reconcile and you hug and it's forgiven, when that happens, you're teaching your kids a picture of God. You're teaching them a picture of what God is like. And whether that kid gets it on some surface level and then a little bit deeper later that Jesus Died on the cross, took our punishment, that we can be made right or reconcile or be forgiven. Not our sins drug up again about our past, any of that. When they begin to understand that, they they begin to understand God better. Hey, you know, God has declared me forgiven. Justice has been satisfied. Really teaches a principle that's all throughout Scripture. You know, then hopefully one day our kids will receive Christ as their Savior and they won't take that salvation for granted. They'll live for God for the rest of their lives. They'll understand that God provided a Savior. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I've never really understood that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that I can be forgiven. That sin won't be brought up later. That it's, it's forgot about. Well, the good news is this. Right in your seat this morning, you can receive Christ as your Savior. Just from your heart to God's, as you tell Him, yes, I'm, I'm, I trust in You. I'm placing my faith in You, Jesus. I, I'd like my sins forgiven. And so I'm believing You for that instead of, My plan for that. I'm going to rely totally on what Jesus did on the cross for me. that's called placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says over and over again, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, calls you saved. Or a Christian. Or a believer. And that's the great news, is you can do that right where you sit today. Uh, Parents, maybe you're here and you'd say... You know, I'm looking at this sheet here at some of these negatives and then some of these positives. I've got some real work to do, and I want to strive to be a better parent. I want our home life to be a, a place of joy as much as it can be. You know, I, I, I want there to be peace with the kids, and I've kind of ignored some of this parenting stuff. And uh, maybe today you would, in a moment when we pray, just from your heart to God's, tell them that. And and commit to that. Commit to changing and being a better parent and disciplining without uh, going nuclear and and getting angry and, and hurting with words or physically. You know, just tell that to God today. Ask Him for the strength to do that. And then talk about it when you get home with your spouse. And be unified in it together. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning?